Yo, Adam. Yes. Ever heard this? Dream. It is. I'm Adam Ennis. I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Music advice coming at you. It's an open studio podcast. Peter, uh, I believe our theme song. It's an OSP. Our theme song, Emotion in Motion, yes. your tune, yes. is in the key of D-flat major. Is it not? Uh, you see, I was thinking about these things, and I surprised you with that. That is correct. Yes. Oh, wait, wait, check this yeah, out. Yeah, 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 check yeah. This show them the thing. thing. What? Huh. Very so that's, yeah, that's... Look, harder. I can even prove it. Oh, it's wow. a Peter Martin composition. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. We're dropping. If you're if you're listening here on on our YouTube channel, we have our we have our notation game up. So you can see a light up keyboard. You can even see notes come up on the staff as Peter's playing here, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but my point is, Peter, hold on, hold on. My point oh, is, our poodles, theme song poodles. is in the key of D flat. Yeah, we've got Poodles McGee poodles over here. Poodles are one of the most popular and beloved dog breeds in the world. It's oh, so true. Uh, so we have our theme song, Emotional Motion, in the key of D flat major. Now, you were just playing a clip of Thelonious Monk Quartet playing Monk's Dream. Sounded like it's in D flat major. It is. But it looks like he's playing in C on that keyboard. Which means that it's probably an old video that has been sped up or something. Right. Which I don't understand how that happens, but it's some kind of mastering issue. But we are going to be watching this amazing video of Monk in Brussels. Brussels. Uh, Brussels. I don't know if that's correct. Um, playing his famous tune, Monk's Dream. So it is uh, pitched up a little bit. So it might be a little weird if you have perfect pitch or trying to transcribe it, but all the better. Yeah. For us, I kind of like the way it sounds in D flat. It I do too. For the intro, I do so. too. should we check it out? Let's check it out, man. Let's, Let's check have it out. a little bit of a reaction yeah. to one of the great quartets. I already like it. Just to let Herber. you know, is that Frankie Dunlop? I believe it is on drums. Charlie Rouse saxophone. It is Frankie Dunlop. John Orr on bass. Charlie John Rouse on saxophone. Classic quartet. Oh, oh man! Look at how. He plays with his whole body. Check out how he plays. Ah, there's a lot of intentionality. He has a hat. Masterclass on swing and syncopation. Ah. Okay, stop. Can we start that over again? So yes. the first thing that jumps out to me when I watch, when I listen to Monk and when I'm watching this video, is the amount of call and response that's uh, in everything, and it's yes. something that gets left out, especially with beginner and intermediate players, like. Do not go chasing after stuff that you don't need to go chasing after. Right. It's all given to you in the music. All you have to do is, is be receptive to the call and respond. And it provides you with the answer. 
right? I like the way Listen you did that. Listen to the that. question, and you can you you'll have the answer. Seek Monk, and ye shall find. Monk is the master at call and response. Uh, let's listen to that head again and listen to how many phrases get responded to. Right. And listen to what Monk is not playing that enables a couple of different levels of call and response. Call and response between the two hands, certainly yeah. between the saxophone. By playing the melody and then just letting those counter melodies with the left hand enables the great Frankie Dunlop, yeah. one of my favorite drummers. Yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about unheralded. Oh not unheralded, but not heralded. Definitely under, under, the, under the radar, under underrated, the radar yeah. But like his constant call and response, brilliant. I mean, it's right there from the start. Yeah. Ooh, and that there, beep, boop, beep, bop. It's not beep, dee, da. Although he does do that sometimes, but beep, boop, beep, bop. Yeah. Like the way that he lays these and makes the little variations each time is really exciting. Ah, Paul. <laughs> Response. Uh. And then Frankie Dunlop is doing all sorts of subtle bass. Ah. Uh. Maybe you add that one hi hat in. Woo! Setting up. It's all setting up to breathe. Woo! Frankie Dunlop, yeah. Such a melodic player. Okay, can we just back it up a little bit to the yep. start of the saxophone solo? So one thing that jumps out here is listen to how long Frankie Dunlap uh, fills after the, after the, the one, right? After the one. Yeah, like yeah. Letting, not settling in for a very long time, but delaying the sort of, they're going to lay into this, you know, yeah. walking, walking swing rhythm. Yeah. But he's delaying it for so long, it just adds so much drama to the situation. It does. So at the start of, the end of the head, the start of the saxophone. And solo. I think the reasons why it adds that drama is because it's like to just be a shebang right on one, which at times could be appropriate. No, listen, nothing's but it, wrong. But in the way that the, this head is set up and the way they're playing it, that's sort of expected and i think a lot of times this is really good for us thinking about any comping instrument but you talk about the drums and the piano kind of a big part of what we were doing this kind of a tune comping um making those decisions you have to make some intrusive what could potentially be seen as intrusive decisions for those in the service of the music so what he's 100%. playing is very musical but it's kind of intrusive and some lesser drummers i.e 99 percent or 99 percent of them are going to not play that even if they hear it because they're like, oh, that's too much. It's the beginning of his soul. Let me give him some space. Yeah. But it actually sets it off beautifully, I think. I'll go back just a little bit for the last day. All right, now. Really settle in until like the fifth bar. Yeah. Something. Oh, I love back, back, boom on the yeah. bass snare to bass drum. Yeah. Uh, so for for drummers, you know what this is about, but it's it's just so brilliant. But for piano players, like clue in 
uh, on this kind of drum comping because this really gives you stuff to talk to and to use. Let me hear it again, right? Ah, so it's back, back, on, on two. You know, that's like the big two. Back, yeah. You hear it's like Monk hopping and Frankie Dunlop. It's a wall one hopping party. It, pay attention to how Monk. Monk notoriously comps the melody. Like, so you can yeah. almost always hear the melody That's in right. Monk's comping. Yeah, even if he's playing a fragment of it, he's playing, you know, the a rhythm of it, or yep. if he's like, you can hear it and then he's comping around yep. it. Yeah, it's it's omnipresent. You know what's interesting? I never really, I, I might be speaking out of, out of out of turn here, but I was just thinking about like m the way that Monk comps and it's as much about like the way Frankie Dunlop here, Ben Riley, who was the other drummer who played during this period a lot and kind of classic, you know, Monk, Charlie Rouse quartet setup. Um, but like the way that they comp is, is for a certain type of solos could be difficult, mm -hmm. could be chaotic mm -hmm. you know i think for the way that charlie rouse souls and that's who they're comping behind it's perfect yeah because like he's just continuing to play there's a lot of i mean he's taking breaths within the music but he's not like you never really see him waiting and taking space like listening to see how he's going to react it's very much like the way that he's listening is more subtle yeah like you can hear it in the harmony and the way that it interacts with his interpretation of hearing that melody. Because, I mean, for sure, the way, like you said, the way that Monk comps, it demands attention to the form and the melody yeah. all the time for everybody, for the listener, yeah. for the comping instruments, for the bassist, for the solo, for the saxophone, for everybody. But I think it fits so well. And I'm thinking back to, and I don't, I don't know if these stories are true, but I figure they are. I've heard them enough about, like, Monk not really liking, I mean, uh, Miles not really liking the way that Monk comped. Yeah. And like on Bag's Groove and some other cuts that they were playing together, he asked, he told Monk to stroll and not comp behind him. And I'm wondering if that's because of just the way that Miles soloed, a lot of space, a lot of like listening, reacting to what's happening around him in a more, I don't want to say overt way, but just the space that that gives you that time to really breathe something in as opposed to like being comfortable with that sort of continuous improvisation, that feedback loop, just constantly going like a flywheel kind of thing. Well, I mean, think about the, the soloist that Monk is most famously used. We're talking about Charlie Rouse, of course. Yeah. Sonny Rollins, John Coltrane. Right. Right. Those three tenor saxophones. Never heard of them. Never heard of them. But yeah, but yeah very different Coleman approach. Coleman Hawkins. Coleman Hawkins. Before very that. different yeah. approach than Miles for right. that kind of phrasing. Yeah. yeah. Should we continue? Yes, please. Oh. So then Mark's going here. I, I, I hadn't heard of you this before. Or is he going to major? It might be going to major. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like the changes on this are. You know, like major going up in force, major seven, dominant, the dominant seven. But um, doing a nice little kind of skipping that fourth and going right down to the B. Well, it's a B flat actually, but. Bridge. Oh. 
great at melody is there. Mel- Monk is still playing the melody. He's still playing the little things that happened around it. You can keep going. He's still playing all these little things that are happening around it. Yeah. All, the, all of his call and responses are still there. I like, just want to take a little it's bit. It's the tune. He's playing the it's tune. It's the tune. Yeah. And I think that it really informs this kind of playing. Like you hear them pull back, like because the form is so, it's just accentuated in so many different ways. Like the melody is accentuated. I say with the form, with the changes, with the rhythm of like that the repeated rhythms that occur within the melody, they're brought so much that it enables this kind of pullback at the top of the chorus that can be very effective. You hear it. Like that's a big pullback. That's like a pulling out the rug out a little bit. But Charlie Ross just keeps going. Monk got up. Oh Monk's about to go dancing, yeah. But Charlie Charlie Ross doesn't even care. Amazing. So if you're listening, Monk is now standing between the saxophonist and the piano. The piano, yeah. Uh, shuffling, shuffling, dancing. Can we call it dancing? Sweating profusely. This is all vocab for piano monopoly. Woo! This is that John Orr you said? On bass? All that um, it's great to see. So, so it, it, there's no really like comping going on. I don't think yet in terms of left hand comping, but he's using his left hand with the right hand for the melody in a way that I I, I don't know would be that obvious. Check it out. Well, I guess you'd be able to hear that, but it's very. It's not really like counterpoint. It's part of the same line, right? Yeah. Now he's going to. Where does this music come from? It's amazingly original. Yeah. It's an original in an art form that is full of originals. Right. You know? It's so weird to see him playing in C, but to hear it in D. That's strange. something that like you know well he's, he's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, 
if you check out the whole tone stuff, and this is something that people kind of grasp onto pianists when they want to imitate Monk, but what they usually miss uh, is something that reminded me from Ron Carter, Ron Carter's course he did for us, The Maestro, where he talked about like when he would do certain slides and like there's an intentionality to where you're starting and where you're ending. I think from a rhythmic perspective, you really hear that with this. Check it out. You know, like that's, he's coming from somewhere and going somewhere on time, you know. The bus is not late. Definitely hearing that flat nine on that bridge. That's all melody right there. With the two, with the double stops. All of the call and response happening here in the composition itself and with what Frank Dunlop is playing. Man, I love his technique on drums. It's so incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Thelonious Monk, for the yeah. lessons in swing, in music, and life in general. We'll uh, link to this jacked-up video out of tune below. Maybe we could fix this one. Should we do that? Make a little nah, project? we're all no. good. No, no the pitch. The pitch. No, they'll, they'll get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. You'll hear it. <laughs>